Jordan. I'm here sitting in the dugout at Dick Hauser Stadium with head coach Link Jarrett. Uh, coach, just obviously you've been a busy man recently, just, just since taking over here. I guess just how the past four months been and you starting to settle in in Tallahassee now? It's been great. Um, the timing of my arrival meshing with some of the projects that they were working on at Hauser really lined up for us to make some subtle adjustments. And some of them, some of them are subtle to us, but will not be as subtle when you walk back in the stadium. Like you know, adding this turf that we're looking at them working on right now, uh, bullpen will be back in the right field bullpen. So we're rebuilding that space and the auxiliary space that's bigger than the bullpen behind the cages. Right field here is obviously tight, so if this is your home side, to have that auxiliary space where probably pitchers more than anybody else have safe space to get off of the field, to do their stretching, their arm care, their mobility stuff, even throwing in a confined space, not long toss, but the changes we're making help the players. And my first priority when I get into a program is to assess what I can do to give the players the best facility to work at that time. And then the other things that we clearly want to do to refresh Hauser, that's coming. New backstop netting is coming. You can see the new dugout netting. It's a little safer, a little more efficient for them to get on and off the field. It's more efficient for us from a coaching standpoint. Those are the things that have occupied the early part of the fall. We have been doing skill work, so that's really – four throwing sessions for the pitchers and two offense and two defensive sessions for the position guys. So Rich and Chuck and Brad and Sean, having been with me at Notre Dame, know what we're doing. They can run this thing like a machine, acclimating the players to our verbiage, our systems, our communication on the mound, behind the plate, in the infield, our alignments and depths in the outfield. That's what the initial part of this has been about and getting them ready for fall practice. Rich does a great job with the catchers and, and has learned all the offensive stuff and, and could easily teach that himself. Brad is in the same boat offensively. Brad is great with the outfielders and helps me with the infielders every day. And Sean, having played for me and having been a coach at Greensboro uh, as a player development operations staff member, he helps us organize and streamline what the players do and helps the managers set up and break down what we're doing. So it has been as smooth as I could ask it to be. With all that going on and, and the coaching staff here and round it down and all the stuff you said that's going on with the field and fall ball about to start, just, just what's the excitement level around the program and yeah. I guess kind of the giddiness of the players just to get out there? It doesn't get any higher. They've been cooped up, and I told Coach Norvell last night we were at President McCullough's house, and I thanked him for the cooperation of letting us use the indoor football field. And we start from 1.30, and we're in there till there's some days we're in there 3.30 or 4 o'clock. Now the football team has finished practice, but to cooperate and allow our guys to have a space. And at Notre Dame, we were in the indoor football thing for two and a half straight months. Yeah. So we're used to that. These guys clearly – haven't used the, the IPF as much as we've used it this fall. But it's great. The turf is great. We put our bases down. It's a perfect infield diamond. The pitchers can do their throwing. You can even do outfield work. So that's been that's been fun. And But now it's time to get out here. And they're at the field every day. We do some work in the outfield. 
they recognize, as do you sitting here, this, this is not ready, but that crew over there with Precision Turf, who's doing the civil work, and Field Turf, who's actually installing the, pro- the turf product, these guys are pros. So when you come back out here Monday, you could essentially play on the field. So we'll, we'll get there. The weather really couldn't have cooperated any better. Mm-hmm. Um, but the guys, they're ready to get out here. And we've got them in position that they're ready to compete and practice. Now, we're not ready to play a game. Mm-hmm. Like, we're just not ready to play a competitive game just yet. But the guys are ready to practice and compete. We just don't have all of the things in place. If we were to play our opening game next Tuesday, I would be concerned. Mm-hmm. I'm not concerned with where the players are right now. You're just now trying to get the guys a little bit more ready to play a game within your system. Right. And from that, I guess just how important is fall ball when you're – like how important is fall ball to where you're going to be in June? Well, you're trying to learn – the players and they're all new we watch video and we've seen them now for four or five weeks moving around cages we had one good week of practice on the field before this construction got into full phase you're trying to assess them you're also trying to keep up with the recruiting I mean you're recruiting grad transfers now the actual undergrad transfer the 2023s the 2024s the 2025s the 2026s so in addition to your team and how important these guys clearly are for this season to keep the program moving forward you're also trying to deal with the recruiting and the football weekends and the visits and that sort of thing so the fall is september and october are probably the two most significant months as a college coach most people don't think that you think of your season well the season's a little more structured and you know what's coming when you combine your fall practice calendar the recruiting calendar, the evaluation on the road calendar, the visits, the football, it's, it's wide open. It is so important. And then when you put this thing away mid-November here, I want to feel like we could play a game right. when we close up shop that now the team is ready to play a competitive game. Now, we'll play at least one outside team, uh, maybe two. Clearly, I need to make sure this, yeah. this is completed without, you know, every 10 minutes or something weird that yeah. comes up. But – being like completely ready to play and function on all cylinders, that's where you need to be at the end of fall ball when the first week of November, second week of November hit. Now can we go play? Then when you come back in the preseason, now you're trying to figure out the exact roles. I'm not really concerned with who's in what role right now. I'm just concerned with watching these guys, evaluating them, helping them. We have the new camera system in place so we can get a little bit more in-depth instruction when the time comes for that. So fall's really important. The the second half of fall ball is we'll start to dive into some individual adjustments. I'm I'm not trying to overhaul anybody right now. But once we have a little more data, a little better video, and they've got 10 or 15 at-bats, five or six innings under their butt on the mound, now you can start to do some things to maybe help them or manipulate something mechanical that you see. Clearly, they're talented players, and we choose not to make any wholesale adjustments right out of the gate because, in fairness to them, we haven't really seen them right. play this fall. Right. So that's that's how we do it. The fall is so important. It's, it may be undervalued on the outside, mm-hmm. but the intensity and what's going on when we strap it on here next week is, is critical. 
the, the fall for you, is it more so about trying to get the little things worked out, the fundamentals, or is it about getting guys some live reps, getting them comfortable in the box, getting them comfortable in the mound? I guess, is it a balance of that or one it's, or the a, other? It's a combination. Yeah, it, re- it really is. Um, you try to put them in situational starting innings and situations, situational hitting, situational base running. So we rarely will go through a day of scrimmaging where we don't inject base runners to start an inning. Now, the pitcher also needs to function out of the windup if, if the guy's in the windup with nobody on base. That's part of it. And keeping people off base and staying in the windup is important. But what you see, the most critical pitches are, are delivered out of the stretch. When you have traffic and you're navigating base running, the decision-making on defense, the decision-making on the bases, the more action you can create, the more prepared the team becomes, and the more you learn about the players. So that's what we try to do with our scrimmages. And um, But it's, it's meshing their increased workload. It's meshing the intensity of the situations. It's changing maybe who starts the scrimmage and who – has to be confined to the bullpen to warm up. There's a big difference, and some of these young guys have never warmed up in the bullpen. They've been starting pitchers. So making sure we rotate through and give guys a chance to be the starter, but also make sure everybody has a chance to sit down in that left field bullpen and wait until the fifth or sixth inning of a scrimmage to get loose and prepare to pitch. Big difference. Maybe the most critical difference when you look at the pitching staff is how you manage those relief roles and decisions and their ability to function in roles that they haven't always done. You talked about the coaching staff a bit earlier, and you bring over basically your whole staff from Notre Dame. Just how much of a luxury is that continuity and, <laughs> and just yeah. knowing one another and what to expect from each other? I'll tell you, when I got to Notre Dame and had no assistants that I'd ever worked with and clearly no players that I'd ever coached, that's a really tricky roadmap because – there was one person out of the 50 that knew what was expected, and that, that was me. So, so now the ratio is much better. You've got five or six to the 38 players, 39 players. So it's a lot easier. So Brad could take the infielders and run it. Brad could help the catchers. You know, Sean knows the infield and outfield stuff. Chuck knows all the bunt Ds and the cuts and relays. So – it's just easier on everybody, and we can focus a little bit more on the fine points with the players versus making sure when we walk out the door that we're all on the same page. Right. So it's just, it's just easier, and that's the benefit of having the coaching staff move. And, and Rich and Chuck both had chances to be head coaches right. and could have done it. Mm-hmm. But to be at Florida State, to have an opportunity to clearly – coach at one of the top programs in the history of the sport it's it's an adrenaline rich feeling and that's what obviously I wanted and, and clearly they wanted and the more you move I think when you go from good program to good program you you learn more than just what's happening between the lines watching this project unfold right. like we're learning I just learned 15 minutes ago about something that I had not thought of yeah. and for them to assess that it raises the bar of what they're familiar with and comfortable with as, as coaches. And Chip has been so helpful. Mm-hmm. I, I lean on Chip and I, I, vent, <laughs> I vent to Chip. Right. But you can see him over there. Like, 
he's essentially project manager with me and trying to get this right. And he has so much love and pride for Florida State. I couldn't have gotten to this point without him helping us today. But also when I look back at what he did for me when he was coaching and made me a better player. So I just look over there and enjoy Chip and know that he's got this thing in order yeah. and those guys are eating it up and we're going to be better for it. Coach Wallace was someone that you hired out of the state of Florida when you started at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. To have him back in his home state of Florida, just how excited are you to watch him kind of grow and like to have that land where he knows for recruiting and yeah. to see him kind of expand on that? He's a professional. Uh, knowing the country, and part of the reason I hired him at Notre Dame is because when you're at these private schools, whether it's High Point or JU or Creighton, that's a different recruiting model than if you're at a state school and clearly, he's beyond able to handle recruiting at a state school. But that being able to recruit at a state school doesn't mean you're able to recruit at a Notre Dame where the, the academic restrictions are so steep and the private school pieces that you have to monitor and manage as you recruit these elite students. That prepares you for everything. And you learn, you learn the country. So he's back now in a spot where, like you said, he's comfortable, he's from, and I think this becomes almost a little simpler because you can still go around the country and attract players to Florida State, but you have the benefit of quality players and depth in one of the top three or four states for amateur high school baseball. So that makes your pool a lot bigger, but what Chuck did at Notre Dame for 10 or 12 years and what Rich has done in his stops it has prepared them so well for for this endeavor at Florida State. Coach Rostani, you just mentioned, was at Notre Dame for a long time before you were there. Just how happy were you when he told you he was going to follow you here? And I guess just how would you describe him as, as a pitching coach? He's the combination of old school fundamentals and that old school toughness. And he is brilliant and meshes the technology as well as anybody I've been around anybody I've even talked to about this. This is not a laboratory world, but it's also not a world in which you can ignore the the metrics and the technology. He does a phenomenal job of filtering the data, which can overwhelm you. When you throw a pitch and there's 75 different metrics on the ball you throw, for Montgomery and Wyatt and those guys to, they don't need to know all of that. Now, they need to know some of it. So how you filter and present that is very important. It, it needs to be simple and understandable for the players. He is great with that. Then you get into the, the pitch shaping and the development of specific pitches. Some of it you can see with your, with your bare eyes. Some of it's hidden a little bit in that technology. And we, we threw two, two bullpens on the portable track, man. And it's interesting to see, like, some of those fastball profiles may be a little different than you thought even when you're right there standing in their back pocket as they're throwing it. So he's great with that. And so intelligent, so organized, but yet keeps it fun and simple for the kids that's the key and he realizes that the controlling of the running game the pitcher catcher efficiency the signs the pickoffs 
backing up bases, covering the bases, fielding your position, those things create elite pitching staffs. The thrown ball is critically important, but what you do after the ball is thrown and in between pitches and the pace of the game and the tempo and the rhythm, the ball's in their hands and he understands that. So we try to pitch. He does a phenomenal job with an offensive mindset. Mm. Like our pitchers have the ball and he wants them to be aggressive and tough and resilient and attack. And that's his personality, and you'll see that in the staff. Seth Manis, you guys also added as a graduate assistant. Mm-hmm. Something I think kind of flew under the radar a little bit, and his recent MLB experience, just how valuable can that be to, to guys that are here now, to college guys that are trying to get to that next level? Seth is, Seth is great. I recruited him and coached him at East Carolina. Mm-hmm. He was a middle infielder that pitched. And <laughs> our catcher, Corey Kemp came up to me one day. He's like, Coach, I think if you guys let Manus throw early in the scrimmages, mm-hmm. we were letting him play second or short, and then we let him throw an inning or two mm-hmm. just at the end of the fall like a lot of the two-way guys did. But he stood out to the catchers more than he probably did to us as coaches when you're walking around the field. And obviously he's throwing a lot of strikes and the stuff's good. And Corey said, Coach, why don't we let him start? I said, all right, let's do it. And all of a sudden it – it ticked up a little bit, and then we let him play the infield later. I was just always worried that that guy would run out after pitching and have to go out on a tandem relay in right center and throw one two hours after he pitched. So that's where it started, and you realized right away how competitive this guy was. And to become really the best pitcher in the history of East Carolina in a unfriendly pitcher's park. Like, it flies out of East Carolina, and it's small. And we were using the old bat. So that old bat in, like, 2000. Eight, nine, ten, whenever it was, it was hot. So he kind of rewrote the record books at East Carolina to watch him ascend through the minor leagues and to hear that he got called up. I think it was with the Cardinals, his, the team that called him up. Mm-hmm. Just phenomenal competitor. And the neat thing for our guys, and you would have to ask them, Brett, but he's one of them. Like, he's not 6'7". It's not DeGrom or somebody. Mm-hmm. It is a six-foot, one-inch right-handed pitcher that absolutely has tremendous feel and competitiveness, no nonsense, controlled every facet of the game, was 18-10, and 10, I think, in the big leagues when the dust settled, pitched for five years, and he scratched and clawed for every inning he ever got. Now, from the coaching side, He's also helpful with the infielders and throwing BP and in the cage, and he's an athletic part of the staff. Clearly he helps Chuck and and the pitchers, but he's valuable to everybody on the team, and that experience and credibility at the college level and as a major leaguer, it goes a long way, and I couldn't be more happy for his – onboarding with our staff it's he's a phenomenal person I called him he'd been on my mind for years and this was a perfect opportunity he wanted to get his master's degree he's in there studying maybe more than he thought (laughs) Uh, but he's he's doing it and he's he's great Courtney Caswell was someone that has worked behind the scenes a lot in the last three years and obviously was someone that helped you guys transition here and recently you guys named her as the recruiting and quality control analysts just how excited are you to see her kind of grow into that role? And, and what does that role look like for you guys? The recruiting is over the top. Like, it never ends. So having help, like, entering documentation when guys are on the road and we travel and we're recruiting. 
it, it helps because when we get back, we're a little bit focused on what we're trying to do that day at practice. Mm-hmm. So to have somebody that gets it, and, and she gets it, she can enter information, whether it's compliance or to update our own files on recruiting. She's great, and she helps on campus. She has so much love for Florida State and knows it inside and out, helping with the campus tour and helping mm-hmm. navigate these weekends where we had 24 people here for the the football game when we played, shoot, I'm drawing a blank, Boston College, right. I think. Yeah, like So that's a lot of bodies that you're trying to manage. And sometimes by the time the actual the game starts, you're trying to catch your breath mm-hmm. because the six or seven hours leading up to that is really the essential part of your recruiting visit. She's phenomenal. And then the technology. When I said quality control, it's are we doing things that are organized, that are clear, that are, whether it's our PowerPoints we show the team, whether it's the information we're gathering with the video, TrackMan stuff, there's a quality aspect to that that has to be in order. And she's so thorough in everything that she does that we're trying to let her navigate some of the details where our coaches, as we bounce around, she she's not going to come out here and, and help at practice as much. So that's a time for her to help with the tech and help with the video and help organize things, and she's very good at it. Like you mentioned earlier, talking about the field, you're, you're not just head coach Link Jarrett right now, you're project <laughs> manager Link Jarrett. Yeah. Um, this turf project you guys are doing, doing home plate as well as the baselines of foul ter- territory on the infield, I guess, where'd that idea come from, and, and how can it benefit you to have those turf areas along the baseline and, and at home plate? Yeah, well... What I saw as we did a project at Notre Dame is the modernization of the turf gives the turf a more baseball feel. You can have different types of turf in different areas. So as it progressed, the maintenance aspect starts to come into play like, wait a minute. We don't ever have to mow this. We don't ever have to fertilize it. Mm. The sun with the roof at Hauser is never going to affect this area. That's why it was turfed. They have a new turf that's cooler, so it'll stay 35 degrees cooler up to your waist, so it's not as hot as the old turf. And then you can see the guys in the batter's box right now. We have batter's box that will be brown, that it feels like you're in good clay, and we can take those out and replace just the batter's box and the catcher's box Mm. areas. The plate is in a, in a trough, essentially, that can be raised and lowered. So you will always have the plate perfectly flush with, mm. the, with the surface, which is what you need. The baselines will be turf, so you're running on artificial turf. You'll never have to line another batter's box. You'll never have to put a foul line down until you get to the dirt. Mm-hmm. So then you'll have to line the dirt and the outfield grass, obviously. It's just more efficient. So if you want to come out and bunt before practice right. starts, four or five guys want to work on their base hit bunts. You've got the batter's box, the foul lines. You're not going to tear anything up. Yeah. There's not going to be dust and dirt. It's not going to be too wet. Yeah. It's not going to be too dry. You're not going to have a ball chopped in front of the plate that bounces 40 feet in the air. Mm-hmm. It'll be consistent. Mississippi State had it, so we're in the Super Regional two years ago there. I liked the idea of it. Now, we are going to have a different turf, but this is the turf we had at Notre Dame, and I like the playability of that artificial turf at home plate. Theirs was a little harder. They're actually replacing it, but that's where it started. And I think it just takes some of the, it takes some of the pressure off maintaining the field. There'll be different maintenance, but it's not the daily packing clay, lining things, watering the, 
watering the clay to try to keep it just how it needs to be to play properly. So this is a this is a slam dunk win. And then the dugouts, we had two openings before, and it, you couldn't access the field or back and forth to the dugout in the middle of the dugout. Most of your traffic is there, right in the middle, or the guys going that way. So I think now we have a clean, crisp setup that's more efficient for the guys. Yeah. And then the camera well will be redone. We extended the fencing down there so that the the netting, yeah. so it gives the ground screw a little more space mm-hmm. to, to sit and watch the game from a safe spot. And Adam Ham has been great. Mm-hmm. He's overseeing Hauser Stadium. Clearly when you're when you're dealing with this like I am hour by hour, they're gonna ask me what I want. And Adam has been awesome. Stuart Pierce, Jim Curry, they've been great. It is nice as a coach for them to give you input into what you want because they want me to be happy and all I want is the players mm-hmm. to be comfortable and feel like they have a good place to, to work. And that's what this is gonna be. Yeah. And these guys are they get after it every day and it's yeah. fun to watch. And I mean, this grass looks better than it has in a long, long time. But they put new yeah, sod down, right. and it still takes a while. Mm-hmm. Like it's not a finished product; mm-hmm. it's still working its way and knitting and rooting and leveling itself because you know it's in huge rolls. So where those rolls right. meet side to side, and where the ends butt up, you still have a little undulation. It's getting there, but you know, in another month, it'll be fun for people to walk in here and mm-hmm. see this. I think it'll be refreshing. Yeah. Moving on to the roster and then some of the guys you got here now, I think you guys have 18 freshmen. It's obviously a pretty young roster. Just what have you seen from some of those young guys so far and just how have they transitioned in, into college life? I think we're transitioning pretty good, you know, and the summer bridge program helps. And I kind of jumped in here in the middle part of that when they were already here. Clearly some talented, talented kids. Um, there's a lot of them that have stood out. Until we compete a little bit more, it's hard for me to really assess how they look in a game setting. But Cam Smith has been very impressive. Jordan Taylor in the outfield clearly can really run. Um, Jordan Williams can run. Ross in the outfield clean and smooth. And we need some left-handed hitting help. And I hope mm-hmm. I hope he can help with that. We're a little we're a little short on the roster and from the left side of the plate. And then Jamie Arnold on the mound, lefty, yeah. freshman, good. Barfields look good. You love the lefties. Right. I always, like, anytime you can, you can load up on lefties, you, you feel good about it. Um, I like our overall look and feel. I do like our catching depth with Holbrook and obviously Colton Vincent caught basically every inning right. last year. You've got Ordonez, and once we get Jimenez back, he's kind of banged up a little quad right now. But I like the depth. When you can have four or five, six guys, Lance Triple can right. jump back there. Lance swinging the back good. He can play the outfield. So I, I do, if, if anything has stood out, and it's not just the younger guys, it's the quality we have mm-hmm. behind the plate. I feel like there's a lot of guys right. that could go back there and catch. And Colton, he did such a good job. And he was beat up a little bit yeah. last year. He got hurt early and right. played through it. But he's got good feel behind the plate. I've been impressed. Um, the young guys are good. Now, you need to have older guys, too, that you need to have. Tibbs is, is still coming off his, his rehab, so he's not full go yet. But Jaime works very hard, and Rank works very hard. And those guys have been 
impressive. I, carry on's ability to handle his body, handle the bat, the short game stuff. I can tell so many ways that guy can weaponize the game. Mm-hmm. Very, very impressed. And I'm moving the infielders around. I work with those guys. So, you know, we've got to find who fits where. And each position has certain demands. I like our options. I'm not ready to even start thinking about who belongs where. I just – I like our our options out there. Not the depth that we have behind the plate, but we do have some good options. First base, Cade Bush, he's done a nice job early. And Strickland, you know, is is a physical kid. Ordonez was over there a little bit. I will say Ben Barrett, as a freshman that you ask about, I think he knew a lot of things really well. He's been impressive on the mound and the bullpens. He played a lot of third base, had him at first base yesterday. That was clearly something he's capable of. Big, lanky freshman, loose, has some feel for what he's doing with the bat, and we just try to ease the two-way guys into this because the pitching work is more intense than they've ever had. The lifting is more intense. And so is the infield and the hitting stuff. So finding the right combination, and not overdoing. They only have so much time in the week they can do it. But finding the right mixture, McDougal's in the same boat. Not overdoing one facet, Mm -hmm. but finding that happy medium where they can show us what they can do and we get a sense of what they can do both ways. You mentioned Jordan last year, even as his first year at FSU and only a sophomore seems like a lot of times I would describe him kind of as the energizer bunny. Yeah. Just the energy he brings to the field every day, um, even when you guys are in the IPF or doing stuff. How much of a how, – how important has that been to you guys? Love it. Just love everything about what he does. And the energy is real. Like it's, it's the facets of the game that he can do well that kind of gives you a boost. I mean, the guy can really bunt. He can really handle the bat. He's got – He's got surprising pop, good in the infield. And we've, I've found some things, like with his feet, the feet always put you in position to make the, the throw. Make the throw a little shorter. Make the throw a little more accurate because you work your feet. And we're getting there. We do a lot of work on the, on the stopwatch. So the game clock and whether you're making these plays in 4.4 seconds or 3.8 or 4.15 you need to land in the spot, but the feet always help you manage the pace of the play in the game clock and shorten the throw. And I think as we continue to work on some of that stuff with him, he's just going to continue to to take off. But, gosh, he's a fun player. And our, our offensive playbook with him, it's wide open. Connor Moore, you know, another athletic, can bounce around and move and rank as a physical – ranks different than carry on and maybe Connor Moore. He's a little more physical – strong infielder but also good and he's got some arm strength now where these guys land I (laughs) it's hard that's I'm not in that mode Mm -hmm. now when we get back together in early February now I'll tell you that I don't know that right now um Cam Smith physical you could tell there's a gift of tools there's body control body looseness strength size you know the pace of the play and going from high school games to these games mm-hmm. where the speed's a little quicker, but yet you still have to put yourself in position. You're not rushing because right. guys run better. Mm-hmm. You're still trying to use that game clock. And a lot of what we're doing for all of those guys is just the maturation of the pace of the game and the pace of play, specific plays. 
when you need to get rid of the double play ball quickly and when you have to give the pivot man a little more time to get to the bag because you got the ball in your glove so quickly. So um, he'll continue to mature with that, but, but clearly a talented player. On the mound, you guys obviously have to replace the consistency of Parker and Bryce from the weekend's last two years. And you guys have a bunch of talent down there, but not so much experience starting-wise. I guess how important is this fall for those guys to kind of build up innings and and get used yeah. to that consistency? We talk about that a lot, and, and I have never tried to increase workload to the point of trying to prepare for the season mm-hmm. right now. Shorter stints where they can maybe get on the mound a little bit more, but not longer outings. I, I don't try to do that. And some of these guys had significant innings, maybe not Messick-type innings, right. but a significant workload. Mm-hmm. Some guys that are throwing out of the bullpen for 50 or 60 innings, that may, that may be more taxing than the 100 innings somebody throws on a Friday or Saturday. So managing that with what they did in the summer and us trying to integrate them into our world without jeopardizing their health or safety when we look to when that calendar says 2023 that we haven't overdone it trying to build pitches to essentially shut them down anyway. So that's how we've done our fall, and it has worked, and it gives the guys a chance. My biggest concern is how comfortable are guys in the, in the leverage relief roles. I think everybody understands what it's like to start because the guys have all done it. They don't quite understand what it's like to come in the game in the sixth or seventh. And Ben Barrett, they play seven-inning high school games, so he's probably never thrown an eighth and ninth inning in his life. So the games are longer, and the ramifications of the back end of the game, it's just different. So I'm not trying to build pitch counts. I'm almost trying to build confidence. And I can come into this game in any situation and execute pitches at a high level from pitch one until I'm asked to come out of the game and somebody else has to go do it. So that's kind of the premise of how we we do it on the mound. White and Carson were both guys that went off to Team USA this year. Just how valuable do you think that experience was for them? And just what have you seen out of the two of them so far? It was really valuable. I mean, you're, you're representing the United States in international-type play. It doesn't get any better than that. They're talented. It's They're different. They're clearly different, which is good. I mean, the more variety you can have is, is helpful to the staff and makes it harder for the opposition. Uh, it's it's electric, and I think there's more in there. Right. How we pitch, does does Carson belong in the top of the zone? I was talking to Wyatt yesterday about how much did did you pitch up? Like, did you go up? And th- there's, we're learning. But when you right. sit there and watch the explosiveness of the ball out of their hand, and I like to sit right with them when they're throwing their, their Thursday bullpens and watch that thing jump out of their hand, mm-hmm. and Carson's – change up has even in the time I've been here it looks like it's gotten better the cutter is explosive when it's right and when it's not right it's essentially a bad fastball so that's a risky one from what I've seen he's got to get where he can really harness that cutter the slider the last time he threw he threw some elite hard down late tight sliders he could do anything for us. I mean, clearly he could start. Clearly he could be an effective relief. I think it was in best outings last year might have been in relief. Not worried about that right now. I just love, I love what I see. And if he can continue to use that change up 
and at times climb that fastball up through the top of the zone, that'll be pretty neat. And he also can sink yeah. it. So he's got he's got a lot working for him. Mm-hmm. Um, Wyatt, so athletic. There's so much whip and explosiveness. Changeup is really good. Fastball. I mean, it's hard. And make no mistake, 96 is better than 86. And he's got it. And it's got some movement. I think he hides it. The slider is so tight, deep. It's a, it's a big breaking slider, but it's – I wouldn't want to have any part of messing with that thing. So you clearly see the upside in those guys, and they're going to have to eat innings in critical roles. Don't know what the roles are going to be. Don't care right now. I'm just telling you they're going to be instrumental, and they should be two of the better pitchers in our conference. And last question, just, just how excited are you to get on this field – when the turf is done and everything, <laughs> get in front of your entire team and yeah. have some full team practices. And, and just it, what's the, your level of excitement for that? I, I'm thrilled. I, this is the longest I've ever waited. Mm-hmm. And when you're new, you're even more like, – I need this more than I did if I was at Notre Dame because the guys all know, like, we need to get out there and get going. I'm excited. They're excited. Our practices will be different. We're not reinventing the game of baseball, but you have to try to line up the practices to run the way you think they need to run so they can get their work done in an efficient manner, that they can get their lifting done on a good schedule, good routine, keep their nutrition and their recovery in check like it needs to be for athletes of this caliber. But I'm thrilled, and I need them out there, and I need need to be able to talk to them right here. The hardest thing in the skill work is you almost have to schedule and set aside times to get with the whole team. Now I'll bounce around with the mm-hmm. pitchers and I'll go to the weight room occasionally and hang out with them while they lift or we'll have an occasional meeting. But it's not like every day when they're in this dugout or you could stop in the middle of practice and say, guys, come here, let's mm-hmm. talk about – that's what I need. Yeah. Can't wait. Yeah. I'm itching to get back out here too. Coach, thanks for doing this. Sure, it won't be the last time you're on Sunday Golds, but much appreciated and looking forward to the first fall ball. Anytime, Brad.